Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry, featuring the ministry of Witness Lee. Witness Lee was captured by the Lord Jesus as a young man of 19 in his native China. He consecrated his life to preach the gospel, and later labored side by side with Watchman Nee for parts of three decades, before eventually bringing this ministry to the West in 1962. He spent the next 35 years speaking to Christians in North America and all over the world before going to be with the Lord in 1997. The life study of the Bible is his most significant contribution to the heritage of biblical exposition, and we're delighted to be able to bring you short portions of his spoken ministry today. If you have questions or comments, or would like to find other Christians in your area enjoying this same ministry, just email us, radio at lsm.org. Again, that's radio at lsm.org. Here's today's program. When someone comes to our home to visit us, where might they find us? Well, maybe they'd find us preoccupied with normal daily human life. Maybe they'd find us in good, pleasant behavior. Probably, if they would find us in either of these cases, we would be happy. Nothing sinful here, nothing immoral. But the Apostle Paul was not so easily satisfied. He was desperate and earnest in his desire and aspiration to be found in Christ, and not just in a doctrinal or objective way, but that he would be found fully occupied and filled with this one whom he loved and pursued to lay hold of. Bob Danker has joined us again today as we look once again at Philippians chapter 3. Bob, welcome back. A marvelous portion today. Yes, Chris, this is a marvelous portion about the Apostle Paul and his aspiration, which we all need to have, to be found in Christ. This is really one of the great chapters, I think, in all of the Bible, demonstrating how we can be not just believers in Christ, Bob, but be those who experience him in such depth and reality. Let's look at a couple of these verses, particularly what we're going to be focusing on today, Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. But moreover, I also count all things to be lost on account of the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, on account of whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as refuse, that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is out of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is out of God and based on faith. Bob, I think it's common to see verse 9 spoken of separately oftentimes. But actually, according to the grammar here, we have to look at verse 9 with verse 8, don't we? What's the connection? Well, in these two verses, Chris, you can see a number of crucial matters. The first thing is that Paul obtained the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. And based upon this knowledge, he was able to count all things refuse. And this kind of accounting he did for two purposes. And these two purposes are shown to us not just in verse 8, but also in verse 9. If you look at the grammar as you read these two verses— Paul said he counted all things refuse, number one, that I may gain Christ. Uh And then in the Greek, it just goes right on from there, and it says, and be found in him. So there are two things here that Paul was aspiring after. Number one, he wanted to gain Christ, and number two, he wanted to be found in Christ. 
It's one thing to gain Christ. It's another thing to be found in Christ. And that distinction may uh, seem a bit obscure now, but I believe by the end of the program today, all of us will be a bit more clear. Let's join Witness Lee with the first portion. To be found in Christ, we have to be discovered. We have to be seen by others. To be found out here actually means to be discovered, observed, and seen. This is to be found. Paul was there, living under the law, living in the law. Whenever you met him, you saw a person in the law. When he was Saul of Tarsus, he was thousand percent buried under the law. He was a person wrapped up with the law. He was a person in the law, absolutely living by the law, living with the law, living under the law, and he was altogether wrapped up with the law. But he got a transfer. He got a transfer. He was transferred from one thing to a person. Now he is a person in Christ. Whenever you meet him, or whenever you see him, whenever you look at him, whenever you uh, discover him and you observe him, you could realize he is a person altogether in Christ. He is not a person in any culture. He is not a person wrapped up with, with any kind of philosophy. He was just a person living in Christ. This is what he aspired. This is what he expected. You have to realize that in verse 8, she says, I count also all things to be lost on account of the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. On account of who? He repeated, I suffered the loss of all things and come them refuge in order that I may do one thing with two aspects. Number one, that I may leave him, that I may gain him. You see? That I may gain him. And number two, that I may be found by any observers that I am in Christ. I may be found in him. Bob, anyone meeting the Apostle Paul prior to his conversion would have found him a person fully in and under the law, uh, occupied with the religion of the day, which was Judaism. But now in Philippians, to find Paul is to find him not even in an improved religion, a new religion, but to find him in Christ. How did Paul obtain such a marvelous divine transfer? Well, Chris, you said this is a marvelous divine transfer, and it really is a marvelous divine transfer. It's a transfer that we all need to experience. This is a transfer not just uh, from under God's judgment to have peace, 
by having our sins forgiven. Right. That's one kind of transfer. But right. the kind of transfer Paul is talking about here is something much, much more significant and uh, much more subjective to our daily living. The kind of transfer Paul experienced was a transfer out of something very good in the eyes of man. This is the law with the religion of his day, which was Judaism. Paul was educated at the feet of Gamaliel, and surely he learned the law of Moses, and he appreciated this law to the uttermost. In Romans chapter 7, he said he delighted in the law according to his outward man, but then he found another law was working in him, that is, the law of sin. But anyway, he treasured the law of God to the uttermost, and as Witness Lee pointed out, if you were to encounter Paul on any given day, in any given situation, probably you would find him doing his best to keep the law, to live a good Jewish life by keeping the law. Well, let's relate that to our experience. We are not under Judaism as a religion, but we have believed in Christ and we have become Christians. Right. So, But we have many, many teachings in the New Testament that could become our law, our personal law like husbands love your wives and wives submit to your husbands. Many, many things, right? The New Testament teaches us about the way we should live as children of God. So we could be doing our best to be a good Christian, a good believer, trying to improve ourselves in keeping all the commandments of the New Testament that we feel are so excellent. But Paul, by God's mercy, infinite mercy, one day, he got a revelation of Christ, and he began to see that the most excellent thing in the universe was not the law. It was Christ himself. And he also began to realize that God did not want him to be in or under the law, but he simply wanted Paul to be in Christ. And so Paul saw there was a great contrast between being in the law and in Christ. And then he began to aspire to be in Christ, to be found in Christ. To him, to be found in the law was no longer excellent, but to be found in Christ was excellent. This is really something revolutionary to our way of thinking. But we all need to experience what Paul did, such a marvelous transfer. Yeah, the point, I think, Bob, is that even if the Lord were to come back tomorrow and find us fully engaged, trying our best to, as you said, carry out all these wonderful New Testament exhortations, loving our wives and submitting to husbands, that would not be enough, is it, according to what Paul is saying here? That's right. It would not satisfy the Lord, and it would not satisfy us. We need to come to the point also, as Paul did, that we are not satisfied to be outside of Christ. You mentioned a moment ago, Bob, and we saw in our last program this matter of the excellency of the knowledge of Christ and then gaining him and now to be found in him. Witnessly, we'll touch all of these in this next section. Let's go back to him. You see the excellency of the knowledge of Christ is one thing. You gain Christ is another thing. You get into the jewel store, you see all those precious things is one thing, but you get them is another thing. You gain them. You need to gain Christ, whom you see. You need to gain that I may gain Christ and that I may be found in him. I gain him and I live in him 
and I become a person in him. Whenever you see me, you see a person in Christ. Whenever you see me, you don't see a person in love, but a person in Christ. You don't see a person in patience. You see a person in Christ. You don't see a person in good behavior, in anything else, in any virtue. You only see a person in Christ. Oh, that I may gain Christ and that I may be found in him. I count all things refuse that I may be found in him. I love him, I know him, and I've gained him. And now I am living in him. So my expression before God and man, that is my righteousness. My righteousness is him. And he is my righteousness. And now you could only find me in him. You could only find me in the righteousness which is Christ himself lived out of me. Oh, this is not a small word to be found in Christ. We all have to realize we need to be found in Christ. Nothing could satisfy the Lord unless you are found in Christ. What was in the heart, in the thinking of the Apostle Paul when he was writing these few verses was that a kind of a traditional human living occupies everyone. Whether you are sinful, you are not sinful, whether you are moral, you are not moral, that doesn't mean any difference. Why? Because even you are moral, you are still occupied by the 6,000-year tradition. No difference. You are immoral, the same thing. You are occupied by something other than Christ. Whether you are sinful, you are not sinful, or sinless, it makes no difference. Whether you are sinful or sinless, you are occupied. You are occupied by something of the 6,000-year tradition of human history other than Christ. Bob, I'd like to pick up his thought here near the end of the portion. He said, in a sense, that it doesn't really matter whether what you're occupied with is good or bad, sinful or moral. As long as it is not Christ, we will not be found in him. This is quite a different concept than traditional religion presents us, isn't it? Yes, Chris, this is a a very different concept. In our traditional way of thinking, whether we are sinful or not sinful, whether we are good or bad, whether we are moral or immoral, means everything to us. I mean, this is the paramount and most important thing in the way we traditionally think. But in God's mind, it makes no difference. As long as we're not in Christ and we are not living Christ as our expression in our daily life, then we are not right with God. God wants us to have a righteousness that cannot be produced by ourselves, that doesn't come out of us in our attempt to keep the law. God wants us to have Christ as our subjective righteousness by our living in him and his living in us and his living himself out of us to be our expression in our daily living. This is the righteousness 
which transcends any kind of human righteousness, and this is what satisfies God and us. We were made not to be sinful or not to be sinless. We were made by God, created by God, to do one thing, and that is to be filled with Christ and to live Christ, to express Christ in our daily life so that Christ could be our subjective righteousness. Bob, experience has taught us that sometimes when we touch uh, these topics that we're presenting that are not in a traditional way, we need to be careful so that people understand clearly what we're saying. Of course, we're not advocating immorality or bad behavior. There's nothing here to be lifted up. The point is, Paul said, to be found in him not having my own righteousness. And I think that's what we want to focus on. Yes, that's right. Paul said, not having my own righteousness. So that's something good. Righteousness is something good. But what God cares about is what is the source of this righteousness and what is the nature of it? Is it merely human righteousness or is this righteousness Christ himself living in us and living out of us to be the expression in our daily living? Bob, another thing uh, that we need to be on the alert for, many times in our Christian life, a kind of self-examination can be aided by God's enemy that will bring us into uh, a not a healthy state. But in this coming portion, we're going to be exhorted by Witness Lee that we really need to ask ourselves, where are we? Where would someone find us? Where would the angels find us? Let's go to him for this. Seriously, consider and ask yourself, man, where are you now? Where are you now? Right now. The angel is here. The angel is here. How can the angel see? Could the angel see that you are now in Christ? Not only the angel, but also the demon. Not only so, but also your wife. Your wife, now you are in the living room or in the study room right away. Your wife is in the kitchen. Suppose she comes in to the study room. What will she find out? This is not a light word that I may be found in him. This was the deep, the deepest aspiration of the Apostle Paul. Oh, that I may be found in him. Have you ever prayed, Lord, I desire, I aspire that I may be found in you. Lord, today, I desire that I may be found in you. Lord, I am going shopping. Lord, I do pray that I will be found in you there. I like to know whether anyone of you has ever prayed this way. Paul said, I count all things refuse that I may gain Christ and be found in him. This is not a small word. This is not a small word. It's too great. Brothers and sisters, may we pray in our daily life all the time, Lord, may I be found in you. May I be found in you by my wife. May I be found in you by my husband. May I be found in you by my children. May I be found in you by my parents. In the office, may I be found in you by my colleagues. 
in the schools may be found in you by the teachers, by the students, by the classmates, by all the schoolmates. May I be found in you all the time by my neighbors. We need to pray. If so, everything, religion, philosophy, culture, all will be annulled. Once we will be found in Christ, what else will be left? If anything will be left, we'll be found in that thing. Whatever will be left, you will be there in that thing. If you are out of that thing, and you will be found in Christ, that thing will be annulled. There will be no American culture, no Chinese culture, no any culture at all. Because you will never be found in any culture. You will be found only in Christ. Well, Bob, this was another of those sublimely experiential words from our brother. I found myself, as we were listening, desiring to pray this prayer. Lord, I want to be found in you. We've known for many, many years, Bob, that in a doctrinal and an objective way, we are in Christ. But day after day in this life study of Philippians, we just cannot see these verses merely in a doctrinal way, can we? No, Chris. Paul's intention here is that we would experience being in Christ, that we would be found in Christ by everyone who is observing us at every time and in every circumstance. This is something so high and so subjective to our everyday life. And uh, I appreciate one thing you mentioned here, and Witness Lee mentioned this, this desire that we need to pray, Lord, I want to be found in you. Before we go Shopping, for example. Right. Suppose we prayed, Lord, I don't want to be found in my shopping. I want to be found in you. Suppose we are going to class or to work, and we pray to the Lord, Lord, I don't want to be found in my work or in my studies. I want to be found in you. This is a practical way for us to not only find out where we are, but to actually enter into Christ and remain in him. If we don't pray in this way, we will very likely be outside of Christ. We will be in something else other than Christ. So the way to be in Christ is to do what Paul said, pray unceasingly. Mm -hmm. And this is an exercise, but we need to enter into this because it is so easy for us to be found in something other than Christ. So that's why we need to pray even every moment, Lord, I just want to be in you. Uh, Bob, these are just extraordinary. They're marvelous. They're so full of light and help and encouragement and uh, really bringing us to a realization that where we have been uh, is really not something we should be satisfied with or settle for. Uh, this was certainly the apostle's case, and he's our example, isn't it? That's right. Paul is our example. And what he experienced, we too can experience. This is God's will and desire for our Christian life. Well, we are out of time. I'd like to uh, bring our listeners to our telephone number, our toll-free number, and invite them to contact us. It means a great deal to us whenever you take time to call and give us your comments, your thoughts, your own experiences and testimonies. We hear day after day people who really are being touched and brought to the Lord in a very fresh way through these messages, and uh, that kind of feedback is 
a big, big help to us. Of course, we don't only like to receive your comments that are positive and glowing. Anything that you have to say to us, we'd love to hear. And, uh, of course, we'd like to be able to point out to you some of the marvelous writings and books available at Living Stream Ministry that can help all of us in our daily walk and pursuing of this dearest one. The toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814, where you can send email to us also. That's radio at lsm.org. Thank you, Bob, for being here. A pleasure, Chris. For Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wild. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America, and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.